Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here on 77 WABC. Thanks for listening. I hope you had a nice weekend. Here's an update on a story that we have been following for some time. School districts across the state of New York are prohibited from using any American Indian mascots, team names, or logos. And the state's education department is now urging its schools to comply by the end of the school year or, you know, there's always a carrot and a stick or risk losing state aid. The prohibition is not new. The state's former commissioner of education issued a memo ending the practice more than two decades ago. And while some school districts retired their mascots almost immediately, others still aren't in compliance today. On Thursday, the education department's senior deputy commissioner sent out a memo to all school districts in the state demanding all school districts take action before the end of the 2022-2023 school school year. Part of the memo reads, schools are learning environments. Students learn as much through observation of their surroundings as they do from direct instruction. Penalties for violating the act, according to Deputy Commissioner James Baldwin, could lead to losing state aid and removing school officials from their positions. If a school district fails to remove its American Indian mascot, then the education department would find it in violation of the Dignity for All Students Act that the state legislature passed more than a decade ago. As it stands now, about 60 school districts in the state still use an American Indian mascot or logo. And across the U.S., nearly 2,000 school districts still feature an American Indian mascot. My view of this is this is absurd. If a school has as its team name the Warriors or something along those lines, the Braves, is that really such a priority that we need to threaten to remove school officials from their position? Is it such a priority that we not have anything American Indian themed that we have to withhold state aid from these schools? In my view, this is absolutely ridiculous. If you look at what is going on in this state right now, in terms of doing away with regents exams as requirements for getting regents diplomas, the fact that children can't read, and a story I'm going to tell you about in an hour, schools are doing things like teaching Goldilocks, and not to first graders either. The fact that this is the priority of the state education department is absolutely bonkers. I don't want to be insensitive to people that might be offended by a mascot that's offensive. I just don't think this should be a priority for the state department of education. If everything was going swimmingly in terms of education in this state, fine, by all means, make this priority number one. But to me, it just looks like Nero fiddling while Rome is burning. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. 
Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. The front page of Sunday's New York Post really says it all. Headline, students at New York City High School get third grade level lessons on Goldilocks. Juniors taking American literature at highly rated Edward R. Murrow High School in Brooklyn were tasked with a series of rudimentary assignments based on childhood fables and fairy tales third-grade-level classwork that stunned critics and parents called, quote, educational neglect. After reading Goldilocks and the Three Bears and the Tortoise and the Hare this semester, the 11th-grade general education students were then tested with answering simple questions such as who, what, when, and why. And by the way, they were there were copies of these tests provided to the New York Post. For an answer to what, in Goldilocks, one student answered, eat bears food plus slept in beds. The why was it was hungry and tired. They were then directed to write a summary sentence of the quote-unquote literature. Students at this Midwood school, they were initially taken aback when they saw how simple these assignments were. But, and this would be my attitude if I were an 11th grader, they were savvy enough to realize a good thing when they saw one. One student said, I was confused why we had it at first, but I was like, F, meaning he said the F word. It's an easy assignment. I'm not complaining. Another student called American literature, quote, the easiest class that I have and speculated that the worksheet on the tortoise and the hare would account for 10% of her grade. Another student showed an instruction sheet on writing summary sentences she received a a few weeks ago with Goldilocks as the example. Nothing against Goldilocks, nothing against tortoise and the hare, but this is the kind of thing that should be learned in first, second, third grade. Not in 11th grade, not not being taught to juniors in high school. And the only reason we're hearing about this now, the only reason we're talking about it now, is because the New York Post did an article about it because parents and students reached out to reporters at the New York Post. You have to wonder, this is the state of education in New York City and New York State today. If this is going on at Morrow, how many other high schools around the city and around the state is this going on in? And yet, the priority of the State Department of Education is banning American Indian mascots? Come on. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. So on Friday after the show, I had a boatload of errands to run and things to get done. It seems like, I don't know if everybody feels this way, but it feels like I can just never get it all done. I feel like a hamster running on a, one of those wheels that spins. But anyway, one of the chores that I had to do was to take the car that my wife and I now share, which is a 2022 vehicle. It's basically a new car. I had to take it for an inspection. And those of you that drive in New York are probably familiar with this process. If you take a car to get inspected, usually it's $37. The one exception is if it's a new car. If it's a year or two old, it may go up to three years. Don't quote me on that. But if it's a year or two old, it doesn't cost $37. It costs $10. Do you know why that's the case? It's basically the case because new cars almost never fail an inspection. They're not going to be a problem when it comes to emissions or anything like that. Almost never. Now, it got me thinking, why then do you have to take a new car 
to get inspected at all. If they know it's not going to be problematic, if they know it's going to be good, why do you have to take it every year? Why not every other year or every three years? And I started researching this, one, what other states do, and two, the real motivation behind why New York does this, because there's always a real reason behind seemingly irrational rules. And I found that a lot of other states don't make you get an annual inspection if you have a new car. New Jersey, for instance, lets your inspection last for five years, as I understand it, if you have a new car. Other states do some similar things. And apparently, the whole reason New York requires an annual inspection, even on new cars, is because the state makes money with each of those inspections. It's a money grab for the state. We're paying $10 a year to get a new car inspected, waste our time going to a place that uh, does these inspections. Most of them you have to pay in cash, no credit card, which for some of us that don't carry around a lot of cash will make a trip to the ATM necessary. And we're paying $10 a year just so the government can get its cut in this state. And it's not right. And I wish someone running for governor or state legislature would make an issue of how motorists are getting ripped off. I know a lot of you are going to be saying, oh, it's only $10. It's only $10. You know what? It's $10 that I'd rather have than waste as I'm waiting in line for my car to complete inspection. What's more valuable to me than the money is the time that I'm spending on this. This ought to change, and I'm going to be reaching out to some of my friends in the state legislature and urging them to change it. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. If you were listening to this show on Friday, I was talking a little bit about how I need a foundation or something, and uh, I need something to, I don't know if it's a foundation or a pack, I need some sort of entity to pay bills for things that I'm shelling out money for. And after reading about what is going on at the National Action Network, boy, oh boy, do I need a foundation or something. The Reverend Al Sharpton's charity, the National Action Network, nearly doubled his compensation and also shelled out close to $300,000 for private jets last year. Last year, they paid Sharpton $348,000 in change, and they gave him a hefty bonus of $278,000, a whole bunch of his relatives are on the payroll of the National Action Network as well. And uh, Sharpton has done very well while supposedly doing good. Back in 2017, for instance, Al Sharpton sold the rights to his life story to the National Action Network for $531,000. You can imagine how those negotiations went. Sharpton's the head of the National Action Network, and he sells his own life story to the National Action Network. My goodness. Nice work if you can get it. But I want to focus on something that Al Sharpton said as the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, was standing next to him on Saturday. I saw the same distortions made on David Dinkins when he was the mayor of New York, the first black mayor. And I'm seeing the same trend in the media and among some who called themselves progressives that attacked Dinkins with misinformation that are attacking this mayor. And we went for it, some of us in the black community. 
We went for it. Now, I think some of what Sharpton says is right. I think the Democrats that are blaming Eric Adams for having a tough on crime message are foolhardy. And I think what Adams said is absolutely correct. Adams told the audience he feels the party infighting and power grabbing has caused the public to believe Democrats don't have a real plan to deal with crime to the benefit of the GOP. Well, he's right. But I think the reason he's right is because it doesn't seem like the Democrats do have a plan to deal with crime on a local level and certainly on a national level. I wouldn't have made it as much of a racial issue as Al Sharpton did there, but I think in many respects, he's prophetic. And who knows, if this constant drumbeat of criticism from the left towards Adams continues, might Curtis Lewa have a better shot at getting elected in 2025? Beam me up! To be continued.